I'm so glad I don't have to follow that. Um, so thrilled today to have Dr. Joe McKeever here. Our paths crossed. It's been almost 40 years now when Jeannie and I were at Mississippi State. And he was at First Baptist Church of Columbus, Mississippi. And I'm going to miss places if I tell you where he's gone. But I know, I believe, he left there and went to First Baptist Church of Charlotte, North Carolina. Spent time most recently in New Orleans as a, a head of the New Orleans Baptist Pastors Association. And now finds Jackson, Mississippi home close to Jackson, Mississippi anyway. We're glad Joe is here with his wife, Bertha, uh, one of my favorites, and um, I know you will truly be blessed this day. Joe, thank you for being here. Thank you, David. Good morning, everybody. I knew David and Jeannie when they were in college. That does not mean I'm old. It means they were very, very young when they went to college. They were very precious then, and as you know, they're very precious now. So it's an honor for Bertha and me to be with them today. I also have some other friends here. Ken and Rhonda Colson are here. Wave at everybody, Ken and Rhonda, right there in the middle. Moved, just moved to the Atlanta area from the big sky country of Montana. As I recall, Ken was directing church music for the Montana Baptist out there. And so uh, welcome them to Atlanta. Also have other friends here who were teenagers or children when they, I passed in Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, Martha and her husband, Paul, are here. Wave at everybody right here in the middle, please. And uh, where's Leslie? Leslie's, uh, where's Leslie? Is Leslie, did Leslie? Oh, there you are in the middle, okay. Leslie was a teenager. I, I, I enjoy telling people about Leslie, that she's, a, she's a, like a cousin to Sandra Bullock, the movie star, and one time, Leslie said, you know, Sandra Bullock attended the wedding you did of my mother. And when I married Leslie's mother and, and a friend, John Mitchell, and I said, really, I didn't know. She said, well, she was 10 years old at the time. <laughs> so anyways, pleasure to be with you. Thank you for allowing it. I, uh, I'm a sketch artist, so I draw people. So I'll be drawing out here in the, in the reception area whenever we get through here for a little bit before we head back to Mississippi. Bertha teaches college English, so she's got a class in the morning, so we'll be heading back about 400 miles this afternoon. So if you think of us only about four or five o'clock, say, uh, Lord, please wake up Joe, because he's getting tired right now, and uh, keep them alert. Um, I, I have a couple of suggestions for you. Well, one, let me tell you that get, you, you got your bulletin in front of you. Find my name on there in the order of service and put a .com after my name, and that's my website, joemckeever.com. Mark through that doctor business there, just joemckeever.com is my website. For about 15 years, I have written articles on there for pastors and church leaders. So uh, if you'll scroll way down the page, once you get there, you'll find categories and uh, deacons and leadership and church conflict and... Bible study and a lot of other things, so you may find things on there you can use. And if you want to read, see my cartoons, I have done religious cartoons for, especially Baptist publications, for 45 or 50 years. So if you just Google Joe McKeever cartoons, you'll find those. They also run one of those every day on Baptist Press website. So if you go to Baptist Press website, um, then click on comics. There are half a dozen cartoonists whose stuff they use there. I'm the only one who gives them one a day. Everybody else gives them one a week. Same pay, and I'm the glutton for punishment. But I'm also fast, so I just knock it out and send to them. Anyway, 
So my, a couple other suggestions. One is I'm going to give you a number of scriptures today, and what I would suggest that you do is just jot down the reference on them, because for the most, and most, uh, for the most part, we will not take time to look them up. I'll give you the reference, and I'll tell you what it is on the subject of faith. I want to talk to you today about what it means to live by faith or do anything by faith. You and I are people of faith, um, and uh, we're, we are faith-based people, faith in the living God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray by faith and give by faith. You're here today worshiping by faith. Everything we do is by faith. And so let's talk about what that means. The last suggestion I have is that at the end of the sermon, I'd like for us just to, for us to come to the altar and pray about whatever God lays on your heart. And that'll have to do with the message. But um, just stand here and pray or kneel here and pray or sit on the front pew and pray. When you finish, go back. Your pastor will be here if you'd like for Brother David to pray with you. But um, so as the Lord leads you on that, I want to tell you about it right now so it won't catch you by surprise. Hebrews 11.6, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 2 Corinthians 5.7, 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7, we walk by faith and not by sight. 1 John 5.4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. And one probably everybody in here knows is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. One of the great verses of the Bible, perhaps the greatest one is from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Habakkuk. Now that's the reason I'm not, we're not taking time to look it up. We don't have time for you to find Habakkuk smile. It's actually fifth book from the end of the Old Testament, but Habakkuk chapter two and verse four says, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter two and verse four, the just shall live by faith. Modern translations make that God's righteous people shall live by faith. That verse incidentally is quoted three times in the New Testament. You can write this down or not, but it's quoted in Romans 1.17. It's quoted in Galatians. 3.11, and in Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. That's the statement that made so much to the Apostle Paul and to foundation for his doctrine that you found throughout, find throughout uh, Romans and Galatians. And um, it's the statement and the doctrine that got a hold of Martin Luther in the 1500s and 100 years later, John Wesley, that the just shall live by faith. Let's talk about what it means to do anything by faith. I'll tell you a story. I was pastoring in the New Orleans area, and from time to time I would see this little woman walking on the side of the highway there, and I thought she was probably a homeless person because she's had that look about her, very poor and very slight. And, and uh, one day she walked into her church office asking for help, and what struck me about it was that she didn't ask for much help. Some people would come into her office and want you to buy them a bus ticket to California or pay their light bill for the last three months, and Carol came in asking for $5. There was just such a sincerity and humility about her. We began looking for ways of helping this woman and her little children. We, they, we helped her find a better job. The men of our church moved them from the dump where they were living into a better apartment. We led them to the Lord and baptized them. 
and they're still, I've helped to send her on summer missions. But at any rate, early in the process, when the women of our church would pick up Carol and the children and bring them to church, this particular Sunday, my wife, Margaret, had driven them. And when she came in the house about quarter to one, she said, I want to tell you something Carol said. A few minutes ago, she said we were riding along, and out of the blue, she said, you know, Miss Margaret, I know God wants me to tithe my income. And you know, I don't make enough money to live on as it is. There's no way I can afford to tithe. But I've decided, just going to do it regardless. And folks, when I heard that word, all the bells went up inside, and I knew the Lord just sent me a message. And the message is, this is how the Christian life is lived. It's lived regardless of what you have or do not have. Obey the Lord. Believe in the Lord. Do the right thing. Obey Him. Whether you're tithing or praying or whatever, you do it regardless of the negatives. There are always negatives. Either you don't have enough money or you feel rotten or somebody is, is discouraging you or the vote went against you. You don't have enough resources, but you know the right thing to do and you go on and do it. You're doing it by faith. Now, this is, this is what it means to do anything by faith. It means I believe God, but there are some negatives. Uh, the Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter in the Bible. And here there are all these instances of people from the Old Testament who did things by faith. By faith, um, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going, Hebrews 11 says, to, and to a place that God would show them. Now, can you imagine Abraham and Sarah going to their family up in Haran, far to the north of Israel, and announcing to their family that we'll be leaving and the people said, well, where are you going? And they said, we don't really know. And somebody who had been lead reading a leadership book must have said, well, if you don't know where you're going, how will you know when you get there? And uh, they said, the Lord who is leading us will show us where to go and tell us when we've arrived. And off they went by faith. They believed God, but they did not know a lot of things. By faith, Noah built an ark, the Bible says. A thousand things he didn't know. He just knew God wanted to do it by faith. The Bible says there, Moses chose not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore, but he threw his lot in with the Hebrew children who were slaves. He didn't know what was going to happen, how this was going to work out. He just knew this was what the Lord wanted him to do. Now, Carol said that she was going to tithe her income by faith. She didn't use the word, but that's what she was saying. I believe God wants me to do it. I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm going to do it anyway. Now, I have been pastoring since 1962, not, not 1862, the way some of you may have thought. But, um, and I was director of missions for New Orleans churches, Southern Baptist churches, for five years. I have literally known thousands of tithers. But friends, I never knew a person who started tithing when they could afford it. Nobody has an extra 10% laying around the house. Well, honey, why should we do the extra money this month? I know, let's tithe. Nobody does that. Everybody I know who has ever tithed his or her income to the Lord, when they started doing it, they had to make a tough decision. How strongly do we believe God? You know, wherever I go, I run into especially young couples who will say, well, we're going to start tithing just as soon as we get all the bills paid and a little extra money ahead. Now, if we're where we can discuss it, I say to them, no, you're not. I know you think you are, but life will see to it that there is never such a time that you will always have other things clamoring for a place in your in your budget 
And so you're going to have to make the tough decision sooner or later. You know, when we say, I'm going to start tithing just as soon as I get all the bills paid and a little extra money ahead, what we're saying is I'm going to start tithing just as soon as I don't have to do it by faith. And Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. We give our offerings by faith. You give your offering by faith. You believe God wants you to do it. You give it. You don't know how you, maybe how you're going to meet your, all your bills. You just know this is right. And you do not know where all it's going and what it's going to accomplish. You're giving it and it is gone. When you get to heaven, you will find out what God did with it. If you can wait that long. You know, I used to live about three blocks from the Mississippi River. Mississippi River, they say, drains a basin that reaches from eastern Montana uh, to western New York State. Now that's a basin. And that water flows through different tributaries and rivers and then comes as that mighty torrent right down close to my house. And you can walk down into the, into the water there, dip your finger and here's a drop of water. Humanly speaking, it'd be impossible to say where that drop of water first hit the ground. Utica, New York, or Lake Atasca, Minnesota, or Billings, Montana, somewhere. God knows. God could tell you. And the Lord knows who's offering paid for the Bibles for the child in Tanzania, whose offerings built the church in Singapore, whose offering put the gasoline in the moped for the missionary to take the gospel back into the bush country. Now, humanly speaking, it'd be impossible because we add our offerings to other peoples and it goes all over the world, but God knows. You and I give our offerings by faith. In fact, we got, this is how we came to know Christ as Savior. We did it by faith. We knew we believed in the Lord, but there are a lot of things we didn't know. I was 11 years old in a little freewheel Baptist church in North Alabama, a church where my great-grandparents had gone, my grandparents, my mother, when she died at the age of 96, was the oldest member of the church. And I was 11 years old, and sitting on the next to the last row, on the end, the preacher had preached, they were giving the invitation, and they were singing a song you don't hear anymore, Oh, Why Not Tonight? Part of that song says, Tomorrow's sun may never rise to bless thy long-deluded sight. This is the time, oh, then be wise, be saved tonight. I knew I wanted to go forward and be saved. They were asking people to do that. But I also thought, I don't know what to say to the preacher when I get down there. I don't know what he'll say to me. I don't know how I'll behave. Will I cry? Will I embarrass myself? What will mama say later? What will my friend say to mom? And about being baptized, I'm not sure about being baptized. Will he drop me? Will I drown? I didn't know the answer to any of those things. And yet, you know what I did? I stepped out and came. I did it by faith. Same way I expect you did, one way or the other. You did it by faith. And we look back and then say, boy, aren't you glad you did? Aren't you glad you did? The smartest thing you ever did. But you did it by faith. You did not know. If you were sitting there saying, as soon as I get all my questions answered, then I'm going to give my life to the Lord. I'll tell you, that's not going to happen. Because God wants you to do it by faith. You believe in God. You believe his word. And, but you don't have all your questions asked. You have a lot of them answered. We're not talking about blind faith. We're talking about substantial faith that is based on evidence. And then you, you give your heart to Christ and you, you live for him. You confess him as Lord and Savior. So you and I, we, we pray by faith. We give our offerings by faith. We, we teach. We preach by faith. In fact, I'll go so far as to say you'll never do anything that is more of faith than to pray. Now think of this. When you pray, you're talking to somebody you've never seen. 
can't even prove he exists. And yet day by day, you pull aside and say the most personal things of your life to him, believing that he's here or there, that he hears you, that he cares, and the biggie, that he will answer. And yet here's the kicker. 95% of the things you pray for, you will never know whether God answered or not because you don't know what would have happened had you not prayed. My wife and I were praying for, for our daughter and son-in-law moving to Florida. He started pastoring a church down in uh, Delray Beach and they were looking for a house that they could afford. And most of the houses around there spell for about a million dollars, sort of like probably where you live. And so we were praying and so they, they Lord led them to a house. Was that our prayer he, that he answered? I don't know. Would he have done it without our prayer? I don't know, but we thank him anyway. Now, when you pray, you don't, don't know a lot of things, and you may never know whether God answered your prayer or not. For example, you pray for your children when they go off to school, or some of us, our grandchildren. But you're not in the classroom, and you don't know that today, because of your prayers, that child really connected in class. Everybody around him wants to take a nap, but your child is really connecting with the teacher and learning and growing. Or you pray for your teenager, and in the, the dining room at the, at the school, she receives strength to say no to some friends who want to meet after school and smoke pot or something and walks away. And when your kids get home from school, you say, honey, how was school? And, she, and they'll say, fine. They don't know you were praying, and you don't know what God did if you cannot pray for your children without knowing what God did, you will quit praying, and some of us have quit praying. You pray for the missionaries on the other side of the world. You do, don't you? They depend on your prayers. But you're not there with them, and you don't know that today, because of your prayers, the missionary was about to have an accident on the highway, and suddenly the Holy Spirit nudged him. He saw the obstacle, went around it, went on. Or the missionary was in the marketplace, met someone, led them to Christ, they're going to start a Bible study in their home. You don't get a phone call from northern Italy or somewhere saying, thank you for praying for us this morning. Here's what God did in answer to your prayers. They don't know you were praying, and you don't know what God did. If you cannot pray for your missionaries by faith and leave it with the Lord, you'll quit praying. And some of us have quit praying. You pray for the President of the United States. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says we're to pray for kings and those in authority over us. So we are on command to pray for our president, for our governor and others. But you're not in the Oval Office. And you don't know that today, because of your prayers, the president started to do one thing, suddenly had an inspiration, and did something and blessed a lot of people. Or somebody came in with just the right piece of information, and it really made a difference and did a lot of good. You don't get a phone call. The White House would like to thank you for praying for the president. They don't do that because they don't know you were praying and you don't know what God did if you cannot pray for the president and leave it with the Lord without knowing what God did, you will quit praying and some of us have quit praying. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope some of us will pray for America. America needs prayer as has possibly never needed before. America is as polarized as most of us have seen it in our lifetime. Pray for America, pray for those missionaries, pray for our children. You pray by faith. Johnny Adams got out of the military at the end of World War II and was discharged over on the East Coast, was hitchhiking to his parents' home in Indiana. Johnny Adams was a godly young man. He always tried to share his faith with anybody who sought to give him a ride. And today he's getting closer home, 
And the car that Stops at giving me a ride was a long, expensive deal and very impressive. The, man, the driver pulled the car over the shoulder of the road, opened the door. John Adams threw his duffel bag in the back seat, got in, they greeted each other. Car goes down the highway. The driver is distinguished looking, obviously very successful and, um, and, and quiet, not talkative. And John is a little intimidated by him, but he wants to share his faith with the guy but, and doesn't have a long, long to do it because he's not far from home. So finally, he gets up enough nerve. He says, sir, could I share something with you? The man didn't say anything. Johnny said, I'm a Christian. I always try to share my faith with anyone who's nice enough to give me a ride. The man was silent. John Adams said, I, I wonder if I could share with you. So he just kept talking, told how the Lord saved him a few years ago and how he brought him through the wartime. Came down to the end, said, sir, I just want, want you to know God loves you. Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and paid for your sins. And wherever you are, in this car, at home, wherever you are, you can just stop and pray. And Lord Jesus, ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and make you a child of God. The man slowed the car down and pulled over on the shoulder of the road. John Adams said, I honestly thought he was going to ask me to leave. The man killed the engine, dropped his head over in the steering wheel and said, oh, Lord, have mercy on me and gave his heart to Christ. They said a few more miles ago, Johnny spent the time talking with a man about how to live for the Lord, reading his Bible, going to church and praying. When Johnny got out of the car, the man gave him his business card. He said, I own a business in Chicago. If you ever get over that way, I'd love for you to come see me. And Johnny kept that card for 10 years. It survived two or three changes of billfolds. He had to be in Chicago on business. And one day he dug that old tattered card out of his billfold, looked up the address and drove there. And here's the building with the man's name on it. He walked inside and gave that old card to the receptionist, said, I'd like to see him. She asked him to have a seat. She went in the back. She came back in a minute and said, his wife would like to talk to you. She ushered Johnny into this large office, big desk, very distinguished, white-haired lady sitting behind the desk. She asked him to have a seat. She said, where'd you get this card? He said, ma'am, 10 years ago, just gotten out of the military, and I was hitchhiking home to Indiana, and your husband was, gave me a ride, and he gave me that card. She said, when, what day? He had to think about that. He said, I believe that'd be like November the 10th, 1945. She said, tell me about that day. He said, well, there's not a whole lot to tell, ma'am. Your husband wasn't very talkative and everything. But, and she said, sir, I want to know every word you said and every word he said, don't leave out a word. So this time, Johnny Adams told her how he always tried to share his faith. He was a little intimidated by this guy. Finally got up enough nerve, told the man about how he, Lord saved him and gave a witness to the man to pull the car over the shoulder of the road, gave his heart to Christ. The woman turned as white as a sheet, fell back in her chair, said, I cannot tell you what a shock this is. You see, my husband was killed in a car wreck the next day after giving you a ride. I had been praying for his salvation for 20 years, but to the best of my knowledge, God had not heard my prayer and my husband went out into eternity lost. I've been so angry at God, I haven't even been to church for 10 years. And I say to you, my friend, you do not know what God has done by your prayers. So be faithful. You know, Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in well-doing. In due season, we'll reap. We don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit praying. Don't quit giving. Don't quit Serving the Lord, sometimes teachers, Sunday school teachers and Bible teachers and pastors get a little discouraged because I'm not seeing the fruit that I'd like to see. Friend, you don't know what God is doing. Every pastor knows, knows this experience. 
He'll come home from church sometimes and say to his wife, well, it didn't work today. The worship service is dead on arrival. The sermon was flat. And the congregation just sat there staring at me. And the phone rings. And somebody on the other side says, on the other end of the phone says, oh, pastor, thank you. How did you know that message was exactly what I needed to hear? That was of God. The pastor hangs up the phone, looks at his wife and says, I don't have a clue. You just never know what God's going to use. You'll get to heaven before you find out what God has done with your offerings and your prayers and your witness and your teaching, your lessons and your encouragement, the notes that you send. You do it anyway. Go ahead and do it anyway. You can't come back and say, well, now that I see that it makes a difference, I'm going to do it. No, you got to do it by faith. You do it by faith. Mark chapter 4 and verse 40 is another great verse. The Lord Jesus was in the bottom of the boat, you know, asleep, and the storm came up and they awakened him. They said, Master, wake up, save us lest we perish. The Lord got up and rebuked the winds, rebuked the waves, then he rebuked the disciples. And he said to them, Mark 4:40, Why did you fear? Where is your faith? Why did you fear? Where's your faith? You have to choose to believe him or to be afraid. But if you believe him, you don't have to be afraid. James chapter 2 and verse 18 says, I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, I'll show you my faith by what I'm doing. What you are doing shows whether or not you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does the Lord want you to do? It may be to teach that class or work with children or just to be faithfully lead your family or send a note to somebody, a note of encouragement to somebody, to help somebody, give them some groceries or a thousand other things. The question is, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? You know, uh, uh, Jeff Christofferson, until recently lived here in the Atlanta area. Jeff is one of the vice presidents of our North American Mission Board. He's a Canadian from the Saskatchewan province. And uh, Jeff is vice president for church growth or for new church starts for the Eastern US and for Canada for Southern Baptist. Just recently moved back to Toronto. But Jeff wrote a book not long ago called Kingdom Matrix. And he tells something that happened to his parents, Alan and Helen Christofferson. They were married about 1960. They were not Christians. They didn't go to church. They lived in the Saskatchewan area. And they didn't go to church. Alan needed a job, and he found work on a crew that cleaned out beer storage tanks. He said it didn't pay much, but the beer was free. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so almost everybody working there became alcoholics. 1967, Alan and Helen got a babysitter to stay with Jeff and his little sister. And they went to a movie in downtown Saskatoon. And the, the movie was a Billy Graham film called The Restless Ones. Now, the two or three of you in here old enough to know, to remember, that the Billy Graham Ministry uh, has a, a feature, uh, a film production company called Worldwide Productions. And in the old days, we used to get one of those films, and a lot of churches in the community would go together and get one of the films and rent a theater and show it every night for a week and pass out tickets to our unchurched friends, try to get them there. And we did this in Greenville, Mississippi with that, set, that movie, The Restless Ones, that Alan and Helen went to see in 1967. And uh, that we'd always give an invitation at the end of it. Alan and Helen sat there in the dark theater watching this guy on the screen deal with his issues. Somebody witnesses to him. And then at that key moment, he's sitting in his car listening to Billy Graham's sermon on the radio when he gives his heart to Christ. And in the dark theater, Alan and Helen heard that, held hands, and they prayed along with him to be saved. 
Now, when the movie was over, they brought up the house lights, and a man in a dark suit walked out on the platform and gave a public invitation. He said, you've seen this message, and I've seen the movie, you've heard this message. If you'd like to give your heart to Christ, just get up and come forward. Or if you want to talk to somebody or pray with somebody, please come forward. Well, nobody did, but Alan and Helen walked outside. They sat in the little Volkswagen Beetle, and they prayed again for God to lead them about this new life. God led Alan to take training. He became a welder, and the Lord led them to a church, and, and Jeff tells the name of the church there uh, in his book. It was a church where the pastor was really dedicated to starting a lot of new churches, so he used Alan and Helen to help him start several new churches in that area. Now, fast forward a whole generation. Franklin Graham was coming to Saskatoon for a crusade. He calls them festivals. They'd organized a planning committee to put on everything, and so uh, about 15, 20 people, and, and uh, Alan Christofferson's on the committee. At the very first meeting, uh, they were in this room, and a man walked to the microphone, introduced himself, and he said, they've asked me to chair the planning committee. Before we get started, I wonder if a couple of you would like to come to the microphone and tell the rest of us about the impact of the Billy Graham ministry on your life. Alan Christofferson says, you're thinking, nobody wants to hear me. I'm just a welder. Next thing you know, he stands at that microphone, and he's telling them how that he and his wife were, were lost, and how in 1967, right there in their city, they went to see the movie The Restless Ones, and how it impacted them, and how they gave their hearts to Christ, and how that they've been working to start new churches ever since. He said, our son Jeff is a preacher in Toronto. He's over there starting churches. Our daughter married a preacher, and they're missionaries to Chile in South America. They're down there starting churches. And then he said, Heaven alone knows how many people are in the kingdom because my wife and I went to a movie in 1967 and he sat down and there was silence. And then from the back of the room, an old man got up, slowly made his way down the aisle. He turned around the microphone. He said, folks, my name is Tom Dice. I'm a counselor, a retired counselor here in this area. In 1967, God told me to bring the movie The Restless Ones to our city. I rallied my family and my friends, and we put it on at the theater down here. And night after night, after showing it, I walked out on that platform and gave a public invitation. And night after night, nobody came. When the week was out, not a single person had responded to the invitation. And from that time to this, I had not heard of anybody whose life had been touched by our showing the movie. And many a time since, I've wondered, maybe I was wrong. Maybe the Lord did not lay that on my heart. Big old tears, he said, but now I see. Now I see. Alan Christofferson got up and came down. These two old men were hugging at each other. And you could hear Tom Dice saying, now I see. Now I see. Friend, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. You'll get to heaven before you really know what God has done through your teaching, your preaching, your leadership, the lives you've encouraged, the notes you've given, the, the offerings, and a thousand other things you do in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I moved away from Mississippi in 1986, 32 years ago, after pastoring there for 19 years, and moved back two years ago when I married Bertha, and, and uh, we moved back to the Jackson area, and twice since that time, I have been in stores someplace, and a man would come up, two separate occasions, a man came up, introduced himself, and said, you're Joe McKeever? Yes, sir. And both men had the same story. Over 30 years ago, you counseled a young college girl not to have an abortion. 
And both men said, I was the father of that child. Later we got married. One man said the child was born with birth defects, lived 11 years, but for every day of her life, she was the joy of our hearts. And the other man said, that daughter, that child is now 30-something years old and is more precious to us than anything in the world. And both men said, and I have remembered your name ever since because if I ever saw you, I wanted to thank you. And I said to each one of them, you know, I don't remember any of this. But then I said, I sure hope I'm the right person because I want this on my record. <laughs> Friend, they're going to be coming up to you in heaven. They're going to be saying, remember that time you did this? Remember that note? You remember that little gift you gave? You remember that word of encouragement? Remember that phone call? You remember that sermon? You remember that offering? Remember that prayer? And maybe you'll remember, maybe you won't, but God used it. Will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? Oh, there are children who need your prayers. Your pastor needs your prayers. Your missionaries do. Your president does. Will you be faithful in praying? Whatever God lays on your heart. Is there anybody in this room who's never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I ask you a question? What, what in the world are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Waiting until you get all your answers? You're never going to get all, all answered this time. In this lifetime, you're going to do it by faith. Or you will not do it at all. Waiting until everybody's on board, until there's not a struggle. Listen, God loves for you to struggle because it shows that you really mean business with him. He's not going to make it easy on you. You have to decide whether you believe in God or whether, you, or whether you're going to go the easy way. There's a way that seems right to men, the Bible says, but the way, ends of it are the ways of death. We obey the Lord. I want to lead us in prayer in just a moment, and uh, then we'll just continue standing there. And I'd like for our companies just to go to the piano there and play softly, please. The pastor be standing here. And I'm going to ask you just to come and fill this altar area with God's people praying. Whether you're a member of the church or not, it's the Lord's house and you're the Lord's people. Just come and pray. You can kneel here and pray or stand here and pray. Sit on the front pew. Go back whenever you, you finish. Or if you want the pastor to pray with you. If there's somebody here who would like to join this church or make a commitment to Christ. Or just want the Lord to pray with you. Come to the pastor. I want you to stand with us, please. I'd like for you to bow your heads with us. Let me lead the prayer. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Pastor David, if you'll go ahead and take your place, Father, thank you. A thousand times, thank you, Lord. Thank you for people who prayed for us. We don't even know who they were, but we know that our lives are so much better than they would have been had they not prayed. Thank you for that. Now, we want to bless other people the same way. We want to be people of prayer, people of faith. We want to give by faith and live by faith. Remember the Lord Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Oh, Lord, help us to be faithful people doing what you'd have us to do, doing it by faith. Now, give courage to those of us who need to come and want to come and pray today. Now, the invitation is now. Would you just step out and come, please? I cannot tell you, just the invitation is now. Though, uh, now, Sunday school teachers and deacons and moms and dads and grandparents, please come and pray. I cannot tell you why it does God's people good to come to the altar and pray. I just know it does. So please come and do this. No pressure from anybody. Just, you know the tugging, the Holy Spirit in your heart. Just be obedient to it. That's all we ask you to do. There's a verse in the Bible that says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So just obey the Lord. That's all we ask you.
Thank you. This is a wonderful response. How about you, my friend? You're the one who knows what's going on down inside your heart. The Old Testament prophets used to tell people, break up the fallow ground. Those of you with a farm background know fallow ground is ground that has lain there dormant for a few seasons, hasn't seen a plow in a while. There's a hard crust on the surface and our hearts get like that sometimes. And we need to break out of that and humble ourselves and come to God's altar and praying is a good way to start the process. We're not in a hurry. Plenty of room down here. Today, if you hear his voice, harden, harden not your heart. Father God, thank you today we have heard the truth. We have been encouraged. We will pray more. Father, thank you for faith. For faith that got us out of bed this morning and brought us to this house. For faith that will go with us when we leave this house and go home with us. Go to problems that we thought were insurmountable, but they're not. Go to situations that we thought were impossible, but they're not. Go to places that we thought we never made a difference, but that's not true. Father, thank you that you can take whatever we do and make something precious of it. That is our prayer this day, that you would take our faith and make things precious. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. McKeever is in the Welcome Center. If you didn't get your picture drawn, he's going to be here a few more minutes. You do that now. God bless you.